Good morning, Covenant. It's the last Sunday of Advent. We continue in our time of watching, waiting, and wondering. Here at Covenant, we have begun a journey in the Gospel of Luke that's going to reach way into next year. Our vision statement as a church begins with the statement that we are a community encouraging one another to follow Jesus. We make a big deal about Jesus around this place. Our journey with Luke uh, through the gospel of Luke will expose us to Jesus, to the one that we follow. We remain in the infancy stories in the very early portion of Luke's gospel. Found early in Luke's gospel, these stories uh, have a way, appear to have a way in which action stops for a while to give way to songs. These are not optional extras. These songs allow leading characters to reinforce the developing theme, and here's the developing theme, that God is faithful. He is a promise-making, promise-keeping God. Although he exhibits his faithfulness in some very surprising and unexpected ways, which puts people on a journey very different than they could have ever imagined or planned for for themselves. Going to an opera is something that I checked off my bucket list last year. I have a variety of hopes and experiences on my bucket list. For all of you opera lovers, it has been suggested that the stories in Luke's infancy narrative, that these infancy stories, that they function somewhat like arias in an opera. The whole action pauses while one character or another reflects upon and responds in song to some sort of inner meaning of what is taking place. Let me remind us of where we've been in order to set up the reading of scripture for us this morning. Like Mary, Zechariah is surprised by an angel, the angel Gabriel, when the angel announces a miraculous pregnancy that he will, he and his wife, who are both very old in age, that they are going to have a baby. Zechariah questions the pronouncement by the angel, which results in Zechariah immediately being made mute. mute. He can no longer speak, and he will remain silent until the promise that has been made will all come to its fulfillment at the appointed time. Later, Elizabeth gives birth to her son, and neighbors and relatives all gather together when the birth uh, of the little baby that Elizabeth has given birth to happens. They gather to be with her. They have mourned when she has mourned during very long, difficult journey, a painful journey with infertility, and now they rejoice when she rejoices. When it's time for the naming of the child, those gathered try to assert their opinions. Everyone has an opinion about baby names, don't they? Elizabeth explains his name is John. Remember Angel Gabriel earlier in this chapter in Luke, he has said to her that you are to name this baby John. Now imagine the response of that gathered community, those neighbors and uh, family members. John, what? Wait. 
that's not the custom. His name should be Zechariah. He should be a Zechariah Jr. Or how about some strong prophet names like Daniel or Ezekiel or Jeremiah, but not John. They then look to long silence Zechariah for support, and when a writing tablet is made over to him, he writes his name is John. Immediately when he confirms the name, his tongue is loosed, he is able to speak, the people are terrified, they go out, news spreads around the hillside of Judea, and they all wonder together what role this child will play, this miracle baby, this child of promise. Which brings us to this morning's scripture, Zechariah's song. Traditionally called the Benedictus, after the first word of the Latin translation. There's something about a song that helps us to convey really strong emotions. When the spoken word is no longer adequate. So in response to the people asking, what will this child become? The old priest breaks out into a song of praise. Let's listen to what happens as he is filled with the Holy Spirit. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus, he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Oh Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts. May it all be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Give us eyes of wonder and hearts of love, we pray. Amen. We all know the power of an old song to trigger vivid memories that seem to transport us back in time. You hear a song and suddenly you're having flashbacks to another period of time or certain events of your life. For example, when I hear Sweet Home Alabama, I am immediately transported back to my 19-year-old self and I'm driving my little Datsun 310 loaded up to the gill, happily driving from Florida to Auburn, Alabama for another term, moving toward friends who have become like family in a place that has indeed become like home. James Taylor songs transport my friend Nancy back to an early date with a man who would later become her husband. Almost every wedding I attended in 2014 used Farrell's song, Happy, for the bride and groom's introduction and welcome into the wedding reception. When I hear that song, Happy, I have specific brides and grooms that immediately come to mind and the story behind 
what took them to making their vows. There is something about a song that calls to mind a particular place pretty quickly. And when you know the story behind a song, it helps the song to have even more meaning. Behind Zechariah's song has been enormous waiting. Knowing God's silence was not merely the couple's experience. After God delivered his final message through the Old Testament prophets, God paused in his communications through people for for some 400 years, no prophet spoke in the land. Ann Voskamp writes, after he spoke to the prophet Malachi, the Old Testament falls mute. It's been four long, neck-straining centuries where you could look down up to heaven, excuse me, you could look up to heaven and hear a pen drop. God's silence must have been deafening to the Hebrew people. But this was a part of God's eternal plan. He was now prepared to speak his greatest and most powerful word to humanity through his son, Jesus Christ. This pause added incredible impact and emphasis to his momentous revelation. The Hebrew people have waited, and righteous Zechariah and Elizabeth, they have waited. They've lived with infertility for decades in a time when infertility was seen as a sign of divine disfavor. In those days, being childless was not just a misfortune, it was a source of great shame. Then in a prayer and a blink, 400 years, they shatter and angel glory appears before an old man. All of a sudden, in a very surprising way, God's plan begins to break open. It's into the pain and the brokenness of a longing world that the message of salvation is given. God in the silence of centuries has done preparatory work for Israel, and God in the silence of nine months has done quite a work of preparation in Zechariah. Zechariah had nine months of listening, nine months to contemplate and to commune with God, nine months to watch, to wait, to wonder, nine months to consider the entire course of his life, the whole arc and trajectory of his life, his faithful service as a priest, his faithful love of his wife, his faithful belief that God would redeem God's people. Silence prepares us to live differently, to have a deeper look at life. The Protestant theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, in the heart of silence is a wonderful power of observation, clarification, concentration on essential things. Henry Nouwen suggests that silence is primarily a quality of heart that leads to an ever-growing charity with others around us. In his wonderful little book, Into the Silent Land, Martin Laird writes about how silence facilitates openness to God in the depths of one heart. He goes on to say, the more we realize that we are one with God, the more we become ourselves, just as we were created to be. After nine months of silence, perhaps Zechariah is more one with God and with self than he has ever been before. Alone with his thoughts, unable to communicate except in signs and writing, Zechariah's nine-month time out led to transformation. 
Like an explosion after much pressure, joy bursts forth, cascading good words on all. Blessed is the first word that comes out of Zechariah's mouth, which is where I'd like to invite us to sit now for some time, this whole idea of blessed or blessing. It's the first word we hear from his lips after the silence that the angel Gabriel uh, imposed upon him when he dared to ask a question about the incredulous news that his nearly 80-year-old wife was going to give birth to a child whom we would come to know as John the Baptist, the one who would make the way ready, the path ready for the coming of the Lord. We might expect, I sure would expect, that Zechariah's song would be all about his little boy that he has waited for for so long. He surprises us at the beginning, though. He surprises us at the beginning because his focus is on Jesus. This is the first part of the Benedictus. Zechariah highlights Jesus just as his son will. That's instructive for us. Zechariah praises God for God has come and redeemed his people. Jewish hopes will be fulfilled. Promises will be kept. The covenant with Abraham will be remembered and enemies will be overthrown all because of the tender mercies of God. It's a song about what God has accomplished and it's a song too about what God will do in and through the life of this child. That's the second part of the song. The second part of the song, when Zechariah speaks tenderly to his boy, can't you picturing him, picture him gathering his little son up into his arms when he says, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, begins priest and dad, Zechariah, as he then speaks a blessing over his son. You get the sense that Zechariah was going to spend the remainder of his days praising God and mentoring this child this miracle child, which will help and strengthen John to do what God has asked him to do because the role he plays is a difficult role. His dad's blessing, those words of blessing, will help him, which is one of the functions of a blessing. It carries us and strengthens us later in life. The gift of a blessing. Though we often associate blessings with Health, wealth, opportunity, and power, true blessing might better be described as a sense of wellness in the soul. A sense of wellness in the soul. Too many people grow up without a sense of being blessed. I imagine some of us here today live with a sense of not being blessed. We labor under the misconception that blessing is about getting the things we want or the things we deserve. And when those things don't happen, then we think we are not blessed. What Zechariah knew, perhaps because he had nine quiet months to consider this, is that blessing is a characteristic of God, one that rubs off on God's people who struggle through the long darkness and wait for the dawning of the light. God is a God who blesses. In God's time, in God's surprising way, those who are blessed then give blessing to others. To speak a blessing is to speak well of, to speak well of another, 
Our words have great influence in the lives of those around us. We know this to be true. With our words, we build up and tear down. We inform and deceive. We bless and we curse. The children's rhyme, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, used as a rebuke against name-calling bullies, is nonsense. Words can hurt. With our mouths, we can easily destroy one another. Words have great power, spoken, written, texted, tweeted. What we say and how we say it matters. Friends, in these last days of Advent, I wonder if we might commit ourselves to using our words to bless, not to curse, but to bless. It's the biblical work of learning to give and to receive a blessing, a blessing being not just you are so pretty or you look really good in yellow, but rather things that really matter. Things we hope for and want to be true. What would it be if Covenant Presbyterian Church was known to be a place where people give and receive blessing? We all need people in our lives to bless us and to encourage us to be able to do what God asks us to do. Sometimes that comes from within our own families. It's really great when that happens, when, when we bless all of us, bless children, when parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles, we bless children. But children get to bless as well. They get to bless their parents. Young adults get to bless older adults. Those at the very oldest get to bless everybody underneath them. Sometimes that happens in our families, with the songs we sing, with the words we speak, with the way we embody love and forgive people deeply of the heart. And sometimes that happens outside our families, all of it important and used by God. One of the most precious experiences I have had of receiving a blessing came from someone outside my family. It actually came from someone within this church family. Years ago, I visited my mentor and friend, Morris, in his home when he was nearing the end of his life. What I didn't know during that visit would be that that would be the last time I would interact with Morris before he died. I went back to his room. He was horizontal in bed. We had a conversation together, and then I read quite a bit of scripture at one moment, I, I felt compelled to read Psalm 100. Before doing so, I reminded Morris that that psalm ends with how God will be faithful to all the generations. And I reminded Morris that God had been faithful to his parents and his grandparents and all those who had gone before him. And that God would be faithful to his wife and his children and his grandchildren and all who came after him. I then read Psalm 100, which is actually a really sweet memory of that visit with Morris, because at the very end of the reading of that psalm, with his eyes still closed, he lifted up his clenched fist and said, hip, hip, hooray, <laughs> which is a great memory for me and something I remember every time I hear Psalm 100. And then Morris surprised me. Because when I then began to pray for Morris, he reached up with his eyes closed with the palm of his hand and put his 
hand, his open hand on my forehead and prayed a blessing over me. Praying a blessing over the one who would continue to travel, speaking very specific words to me that I needed to hear. Friends, it is amazing. It is amazing that we are loved by God, that we are seen by the Lord of the universe and the hope of this world as God's beloved. Our lives have such purpose and value, and we get to participate in this grand unfolding of God's story, just like Zechariah and John the Baptist and Elizabeth and Mary and Joseph did. And we get to do it with particular people. We get to do this journey with other precious people. It's a way that God blesses us. It's important that we take time to bless, to receive blessing and to give blessing away. It's a skill to practice and to cultivate. Consider how much God has blessed you and find someone to tell them one way that you are blessed by God. And then my invitation to us all as we step into this very week is, is there someone you might be able to bless this week? I wonder if there would be someone that you could share one way that they encourage you, one way that they strengthen your faith, one way that they image God in the world. to connect with them and to speak, to speak that to them, to tell others how they have blessed you and to look for someone this week who needs your blessing. It's a beautiful thing for us to consider to do in this gift-giving week, to give a gift of a blessing. This is the season of the advent of God. The barren will birth. Long hoped-for dreams will be realized. Nothing is impossible with God. Hallelujah and amen. Pray with me. God, we praise you. We are in awe of your incredible love. We thank you for your blessing. We receive it afresh and anew this morning. God, we long to be a willing space for love to come, that we would let ourselves be loved. Come to us, Lord Jesus. Come and make your home with us. We thank you for your blessings. Show us as a community how to give blessings to others. God, we wonder who we might be able to bless this very week, maybe within our families or in our neighborhoods, or if we're traveling to another place. Who needs a good word from you? For the sake of your world, for the sake of others, we make this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen.